0: And so when someone comes to you with doubts and questions, they're hoping to be listened to. Uh, That in and of itself can be a very, very healing act.
1: I'm Stephen Cap perry This week I speak with Tim and Aubrey Chavez, hosts of the Faith Matters podcast. We talked about the upcoming Faith Matters Restore Gathering and the evolution of their faith and membership in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And an evolution of faith or a changing of how we think of what we believe is a topic relevant to believers of many faith traditions of late. I'm speaking in good faith today with Tim and Aubrey Chavez, who grew up near Salt Lake City and both went to middle school and high school together. I bet that's fun to have lots of common friends. (laughs) Yes. Tim served in LDS Mission to Montevideo, Uruguay. He attended BYU for his undergrad studies before getting an MBA from Harvard Business School, and he's an entrepreneur working in Utah County. Aubrey received a degree in elementary education from Utah State before teaching fourth grade for two years, and she owns a cake decorating business. I did take time to look at some cakes online.
2: Oh, did you? No. Wow. Oh, thank you!
1: <laughs> wow, wow is the only appropriate reaction. Yes, yes. And Tim and Aubrey are the parents of four children. Thanks both of you for being on today.
2: Thank you for it's having our pleasure. Us.
1: Thanks. So we had you on partly because of a gathering that you're putting together. You're the host of the Faith Matters podcast, but that's also an organization and is putting on an event called Restore. So Tim, Aubrey, either of you, if you could tell me first what is Faith Matters, the organization, and then.
0: Why this really cool get-together that you've put together? I could start. If you're wondering about the organization itself, Faith Matters, there is a, on our website, faithmatters.org, on the about page, just slash about, uh, it, it states what our mission is, which is that Faith Matters aims to create a space in which an expansive, radiant approach to the restored gospel can be considered and discussed. And I think for me and Aubrey personally, that that word expansive uh, has been really has been really important. We've had our own unique faith journey, and if you want, we can get into that at some point. Uh, but there was, you know, there was. We definitely both reached a time in our lives when we felt we were feeling a little stuck in a rut in our faith, and we needed we needed some kind of some kind of expansion. And the people that we met, who were the original founders behind Faith Matters, really seemed to embody that that value. And we got we got more involved. Eventually, we started hosting the podcast. We've been doing that for. About three years now, and the the missing piece we felt like has been really bringing people together, especially especially in person. We've noticed that you know there has been a real community that's been built up around the podcast, and Faith Matters Organization has also published several books. And we've noticed there is a longing among the audience members and people that have been consuming this content to to get together and 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 know each other. So that's led us to this first. Uh, this first gathering, which we're going to be putting on in October, and we're really excited about it. It's, you've mentioned this, but it's going to be taking place in Salt Lake City on October 7th and 8th. We expect roughly between 12 and 1,500 attendees. It's going to be really a lot of a lot of energy. I think it's going to be really fun to to be all together after a long couple of years of pandemic living. We're we're bringing in some amazing music and some amazing speakers, and just couldn't couldn't be more excited about it.
1: You two are members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and most of your listeners and most of your guests are some way connected. But not all of the guests who are coming to this are Latter-day Saint or LDS. For instance, a previous guest on our show and on yours, Brian McLaren, will be there. His most recent book is Can I Stay Christian? So this is not just one church having people ask these questions with the advent of the internet and easier research. People in all kinds of denominations are finding the questions that come up because every every church is made up of human beings. Right. But I wonder in particular, if we could talk about what you hope will happen for people who maybe are saying, Well, I have these questions and yet I see the good in the way I've been raised. They don't want to lose that. What are you hoping people will experience when they come?
2: I can just talk very personally. When we sort of had this experience where we had big questions and we didn't feel like it was safe to talk about them openly and and so there was kind of some shame around the fact that we were even entertaining questions or doubts and so i think over the years we've learned that that can th- these doubts and these questions can actually be an expansion of faith and it can lead to a deeper faith with a lot more dimension but part of that process for us was was sort of building um, confidence to talk about it with other people and finding others that could be in, in solidarity with us with these questions. And I hope that by gathering, we kind of we kind of help to heal that, what, what Tim called at the very beginning, and I feel like describes perfectly, he called it a crisis of belonging. And that really happened for us we felt like we felt very isolated in our regular congregation and I think that we didn't need to but that's kind of how it felt at first and so I hope that by gathering people will be able to look around and realize that a lot of people are are growing in their faith and and moving and expanding and that that's a it's a safe and healthy thing to do and that it's something that you're not doing alone
1: you make a great point about having a safe place and not shaming people for having questions it seems like people, if you have certain questions and you ask someone, and especially if they don't know the answer or don't even want to go there, that's coming from a place
0: of fear, I think. I agree deeply with that. I've had several personal experiences where I've where I've experienced that. I think there have been times over the past 10 to 15 years where my own questions and, and doubts have, have been in the public for whatever reason, and, or at least in, in my community. And I've had and i've had local leadership in some cases respond very what you might call poorly and the feeling instead of instead of support and love has been more chastisement but i think it has come as you're saying from a place of of fear and w- what's interesting is there's such a thin line be- between love and fear and op- often when you love someone your interaction with them can be based in fear you know when my doubts or questions have been called into question by others around me and it seemed like a very harsh reaction from my point of view it actually has been because because they're expressing love for me in a in a particular way they're worried about they're worried about me or they're worried about my family or they're worried about my eternal destiny i think it all does come down to and i'm sure you discussed this with Brian when you when you spoke with him but stage of of faith that, that you're in i think there are early stages of faith development in which there is a very black and white sort of modality of, of thinking. And when you see something that doesn't fit into your traditional framework, it can be very, it can be very frightening. As you spoke too about, about Brian and about what we hope for this, this gathering and what Faith Matters is doing more broadly, I was reminded of something I just read in his, in his newest book. And he's sort of going through like how one might choose to stay Christian if they decide to. And he says, what if you're really trying to change stages, not religions? That that resonated so so deeply for me. I think during my own my own faith journey, where I've gone through different stages of thinking, I have been I have wondered deeply, like, do I need to leave? You know, and that's come in some cases from a, I, I think in most cases, hopefully, from a place of uh, morality and not not a place of you know desiring desiring to sin or desiring something that might be might be really scary. But I love what Brian is saying there. that, that feeling like you need to leave. It might not be leaving a religion. It might be leaving a previous stage of faith and moving into something something new.
1: Which is a really useful framework to someone who who really doesn't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater. Right. Yeah. I've heard you two speak about the beginning of your own journey and and talking about that little bit of fear. And if if I can stick with you, Tim, for just a minute, you were really hesitant to even bring up your thinking to Aubrey at first
0: yeah so i I think I was the first out of the out of the two of us to start to have these deep questions. My question started three maybe three to four years into our into our marriage. It all sounds very stereotypical now in terms of what you what you hear, but a lot of it was around church history, things that I had never heard before, things that seemed really scary, things that seemed really off compared to what I had heard previously um, and I also had questions around around social issues like many people do and my worry was that i felt like i had committed to aubrey you know in this eternal marriage that we have going into it sort of as a in a certain place in my faith and i felt like she had made her commitment back to me based on what i was sort of promising her and offering her as a return to missionary and somebody that went to church every sunday and and all those things which i think are are great things by the way when i started to have those questions in my mind i thought well what is the, what is the path that i'm on is this leading me out of the church is this leading me to a place where I no longer have a testimony. And my worry was, if I brought that up to, to her, she would see it as a betrayal. Just just mm-hmm. the fact that I was having these questions and, and doubts, that she would see that as a betrayal of what I had at least implicitly promised her. And if she did see it that way, what was her reaction going to be? Was it going to be, well, that's not what I, that's not what I, what I signed up for. And so I'm taking yeah. the kids and I'm out of here. And not that she's ever expressed <laughs> that sort of personality, but it is so ingrained in us that this is this is the number one priority. Our our relationship is built on our understanding. You know, in the in the terminology that we would would have used then in our testimonies of the gospel, that I I was I was very afraid of what her reaction was going to be. Which is really interesting
1: to think that two people who love each other and are building life together will think, well, if we don't have the same beliefs, what do we have left? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because what you have left is. Pretty much everything else quite a bit so yeah. Robby, was this a big surprise to you?
2: Yeah, it's heartbreaking to imagine Tim in that place before he before he opened up about that and really like having those questions on his mind and, and imagining that that's a scenario that may come to pass. but I think that really does it really is indicative of our worldview at that point in our life. like our our world was totally oriented around the gospel. It was absolutely in and through everything. Thing. It was, it was the center of our lives and it, it is, but I think at that point in our lives, our, our faith was, it was a very black and white place. And so I think when I imagine being in his shoes, then I can see that, of course, there would have been a lot of fear because we just didn't have a lot of tools. And at that point, life seemed very simple and everything could be sorted into good and bad. And, and so this really was a disruptive experience because we had you know, instantly it was like our whole world was rocked and things didn't look quite so black and white anymore. I I'm grateful for it because Tim approached me with just so much humility and authenticity that it, it felt impossible to feel anything but total compassion and trust. Like I, I could see, and I knew him so well at that point, like uh, so many of my misconceptions about why people leave the church were challenged just in that in, in that instant because I knew him I knew how how devoted he was inside and out and so there was no room to imagine that like he had this secret desire to get out of the church like th- there was nothing nothing made sense except that these were that this was an act of integrity for him and so I I felt so much respect for that I felt like I it was something that I wanted to do together and and so pretty quickly my own shelf of questions felt a little bit more unstable because I think that for a long time I had had those questions, but I leaned on his rock solid foundation too. Yeah. And that was yeah. enough to keep questions at bay. And so it was almost simultaneous collapse of my own shelf. And, and we kind of started exploring these questions together. And it's been 10 years of, of this journey of growing and building new faith.
1: Which sounds like has actually also built your marriage.
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it really has. Like, it's so hard to imagine choosing something hard like that, like choosing something that hard, but it's required so much vulnerability that it really turned out to be such a strengthening thing because of all that fear that you were talking about. You know, there's, there's just, it's so hard to imagine the future when, when you're, faith seems unstable. And so we had to lean on each other and be really honest and give each other a lot of space to grow and flail and and struggle. And that really turned out to bind us together in a way that I can't imagine we could have done any other way.
1: I think it might be really helpful to people to hear you use words like flailing around, which sounds like someone someone without a, a life preserver who just hit the yeah. water. And it, it, it's not a lot of comfort at the moment, but if you can say, yeah, uh, you'll float eventually, uh, yeah, it may be nice to hear that. So, so people who aren't even as much on the same page as the two of you were, how can someone be supportive of someone who trusts them with their questions?
2: I didn't yeah. just say because that was maybe my job first, because Tim, Tim took the leap of faith in telling me. And, and so it was it was mine to hold for a little while. And I felt like something I learned immediately was that I really had to deal with my own stuff. Like I had to deal with my own fears so that I could have more honest conversations with him. Because a lot of times he would come to me with something like anachronisms in the Book of Mormon. And we may be having a conversation about horses, but what I'm actually talking about is if he'll be able to baptize our daughter you know in my mind i'm all i'm thinking about is like what if he can't perform his baptism and so i think i had to really be honest with myself and deal with the fears and the wounds that i had so that we could actually come to the table and really be really have an, a conversation where we were talking about the same issues with complete openness and instead of just letting our our own pain mask what we were actually talking about
0: yeah. Yeah. And I, I might add to that that I think the, the first thing is to is to listen and and assume the best. I think we Latter-day Saints, and this is part of our our heritage, a beautiful part of our heritage is we are such can-do people. We're we're doers and achievers. And a lot of the times when we're presented with a problem, the first thing we want to do is fix it, you know? And faith issues aren't that type of problem typically. It is part of a journey. It's a it's a lifelong journey. And so when someone comes to you with doubts and questions, most likely what they're not looking for is a is a fix. They're not looking necessarily to be uh, testified to or or given the right answers. They're they're hoping to be listened to. Uh, that in and of itself can be a very a very healing act. The second thing I think is to respect agency as much as God does, which is full respect of agency. Uh, it's not needing another person to end up. In a particular place that that you approve of or or hope for, it's it's just loving them through their loving them through their journey, and, and that's the way that's the way that I see see God now. I, I do think that God certainly hopes for us to end up in a in a place of love and wholeness, and I think that heavenly P- parents, their ultimate plan is to get us is to get us all there, but not through a forcing of any kind, uh, not through pressure or manipulation of any kind. And that's that goes back to our 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 desire to fix things. You know, we'll, when we see something, quote unquote, wrong that we think is wrong, our instinct is to use any tactic to fix it. But yeah, listening and and letting a journey unfold naturally, I think, is what many people need.
1: Yeah, I I, I think anything that could fall under the category of tactic is probably not <laughs> helpful because that's like I think that's fair because it it can't it can be like well. You know i'm so worried about this person maybe i can shame them into you know how how could you do this to me how could you instead of actually listening i have heard church leaders at various times in different denominations be completely black and white sort of there are no alternatives except all in all out it's all good none of it's good and life is just not like that so was that a stretch for you tim to find a place that was a space between black and all
0: white yes yes absolutely like you said i think that was that was part of the sort of explicit teaching of my upbringing is that there were there was a series of dominoes set up you know starting with starting with the book of mormon essentially in our in our tradition and I, i i think you're being very clear that this isn't a teaching that's purely a part of our religion but many religious languages use this type of this type of language but in our case the way it manifests is You know, if the Book of Mormon isn't true, then Joseph Smith wasn't a prophet. If Joseph Smith wasn't a prophet and didn't receive the priesthood, then that priesthood was not passed down to present day. And if that didn't happen, then this isn't this isn't God's church. And if it's not God's church, then it's all a fraud, and I've got to leave. So those like questions about you know those questions about horses in the Book of Mormon all of a sudden become really really important, like much more important perhaps than if you're thinking in terms of dominoes than than they should be. The key for me, and I want to emphasize total respect. And dignity for anybody's journey that doesn't look like mine. But a big key for me has been sticking around long enough to just let my perspective change on its own. It's not something that can happen overnight. But when you're built on that sort of domino, domino thinking, that sort of black and white thinking, letting room for gray come in, it does take real time. It takes experiences. It takes new perspectives. It takes new types of uh, learning and knowledge and study that you've never that you've never done before. And you know, there's a lot of journey left, both on uh, Aubrey's and and my side, but we have come to a place where we where we right now where we do feel very at home in uh, in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. We're really feeling, even though we're not seeing it black and white anymore like we did, we're feeling a real connection to the divine and to our and to our community, which I think for for us right now, or for me, I should speak for myself, is what it's all about.
1: That's actually where I wanted to go. You're both being very kind to speak so personally about very personal things. Aubrey, have you felt God with you on this journey? Are there times when, when you felt directed or, or even just definitely in touch, he's with me?
2: I think one of the gifts of the faith crisis, it did feel like a crisis to me, but one of the gifts I think was that it, it sort of deconstructed my real fear-based understanding of God. And so when that all came crumbling down, you know, so did the obstacles that were actually separating me from God, like shame and, and this idea that God was a vending machine and I had to earn my, my way into God's good graces. And so the doubt went so deep that like all of that fell away. And I, I felt like, what was beautiful then was that there's been this, this reconstruction period. And I've been able to sort of reintegrate the experiences that I did value before that I felt like where I'd really seen the hand of God or felt God in my life. And and those became valuable again, but they sort of had a new, they had a new light. And so I, I think that this spectrum of black and white did sort of become less useful because it just seemed like a whole new, a different kind of spectrum. It wasn't that I was trying to find a middle way or be halfway or lukewarm that wasn't even something that resonated anymore because that my experience with god felt so much deeper and what felt new was that i didn't have all the answers but at the same time i felt deeply connected to god and that felt a lot less fragile than what i had begun with which i would have called knowledge before i i felt very comfortable saying i know the church is true and that turned out to be really a rigid and consequently fragile belief and and once everything deconstructed and I rebuilt slowly, even though I can't, I, I really don't have great answers for a lot of my biggest questions, this relationship with God feels too deep to be disrupted anymore. And so that's maybe been the biggest evolution. It's harder to articulate, but it feels like there's more depth and and I feel like God is more of a presence in my life than before, even though it's not so black and white that I could I could write it down on paper.
1: Hmm. Beautiful answer. Thank you. Tim, it is one thing to have a relationship with an institution. You talked about, can I stay? But there's also that personal relationship with God. And did you feel that you got answers or were led, or were you feeling lost and adrift and untethered from your relationship with God when you first started this process?
0: Yeah, I think things often deconstruct sort of in in phases. In a Latter-day Saint perspective, it may typically happen in terms of Deconstructing, sort of like the Book of Mormon, first, like it's it's it is that series of dominoes, and a lot of times for people that end up leaving, you know, it does end up with a deconstruction of with a deconstruction of God totally, and and even of even of you know Jesus Christ. So it didn't start that way for me. Like if you looked at me six months to a year into into this sort of uh oh moment, you know, I was very strongly holding on to. Uh, to God and Jesus Christ but I was very much questioning like Book of Mormon and and Joseph Smith but as you work through this journey, yeah the dominoes because you've got that perspective do do start to fall and there there were periods absolutely in which I was I was questioning everything. but I will say every time that i I feel like I got to a moment of like of true, cynicism and just I not seeing how I could make any of it work. I actually do feel like there was a divine hand pulling me back up to like be really specific about it. You know, in some cases in a matter of days, in some cases in a matter of months. But not giving not giving up on it on the journey itself, I feel like uh did give me that opportunity. One interesting aspect of this is that that divine hand pulling me back up, I experienced I've experienced primarily at church. And so for me, in my in my journey, even though I see things really, you know, really differently than I than I used to, there is something about that engaging in that, you know, beloved community that has kept me that has kept me anchored, even when I even when I felt like that was looking like it was gonna, gonna be an impossibility. So the
1: Faith Matters Foundation has a big questions project. And I am curious which questions are most important to you of, of the list?
2: I was kind of looking over to refresh my memory and I just, I couldn't pick one. And I'll tell you why. I feel like when I was actually coming up with big questions, when I had big questions, every every question was extremely important. And I, I was really on a quest to find the answer to every question. And I had like Google Docs and I was keeping track. I was going to figure it out. I was going to like figure it out if, if if the church was true. And and that meant that everything could be linked back to historicity. And like, I just felt I was really approaching it in this very black and white way. And as I look back through these questions now, it's so, it's, it's kind of comforting in a way, because I feel like these don't feel like the most urgent questions to me anymore. They're interesting questions. But what I think what it, it puts in relief for me is that my understanding of what the church um of how the church functions in my life has evolved a little bit and and for me now the church really is my vehicle for connection to god and that actually has very little to do with historicity in the book of mormon or with polygamy and those things i think i had to really work through those things but i still don't have great answers and on sundays i feel stretched and grown in ways that i don't think i could do on my own and so it's the place that i choose to keep coming back to and and the place I choose to bring my family, and it's where we're growing and and experiencing tension together. And that feels like enough now. It also doesn't feel like everything depends on the answer anymore, because I I found that I can really find deep and valuable connection to God with the church as as my vehicle.
0: Yeah, and I I, I think my answer my answer is very similar. Although there there is a question in there that says, "In what ways is our church?" And then in quotes, it says, "The true church." And one of the most meaningful things for me that we've talked about quite a bit as we've gone through this journey is an essay by an LDS scholar historian named Eugene England who wrote, and what he wrote was called The Church is as True as the Gospel, which from a maybe traditional standpoint can sound really heretical right at at the beginning because we always say, well, the church is imperfect, but the gospel gospel is true. Um, It's perfectly true. And what he's saying though there is that God's whole project you know bringing to pass the immortality and eternal life of man is dependent on our on our growth on becoming something something more and something different than we are than we are now and the way that we get there is through is through experiences and, and in particular through difficult experiences and the church this community that we're a part of is is full of those if we're if we're being honest we we've likened it to to a rock tumbler you know in which all the rocks go in with their with their sharp edges and they get uh, they get thrown around and they're busting up against each other. And after a while, they come out and they're the polished versions of themselves. But what's interesting is that in order for that in order for that to happen, there has to be a container. There has to be something causing that tension, holding all those rocks together, so that they can bump up against each other. And for us, that container that container is the church. Thanks again to
1: Aubrey and Tim Chavez for speaking with us. You can hear them on the Faith Matters podcast at faithmatters.org. We look forward to seeing them and you at the Faith Matters Restore Gathering on October 7th and 8th at the Salt Palace in Salt Lake City. This episode was produced and edited by Heather Bigley. Thanks to our production team, Peter Ellison, Austin Ball, Daniel Phillips, and Sam Clausen for help with engineering and sound design. In Good Faith is committed to the idea that we all benefit from hearing people of widely varying backgrounds share their personal experience with faith and belief. In fact, we think people with such experience deserve some of our best listening. In Good Faith is a production of BYU Radio. If you enjoy this show, be sure and leave a comment or a review where you get your podcasts that help spread the word and help others find us. Our Twitter feed is at In Good Faith pod. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. I hope you'll join me again soon right here in Good Faith.